When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We here at From the Pink Seats are pressing onward with our season preview series, where we look at six of Louisville football's opponents for the upcoming 2021 season. The Cardinals' Week 10 opponent is none other than Clemson. Louisville welcomes the Tigers to Cardinal Stadium after not having played them last season due to some COVID scheduling shakeups, and they're hoping to secure their first win in the series against them. Joining me to discuss this and look at the upcoming matchup, we're excited to welcome in Grace Raynor, who covers the Tigers for The Athletic. Grace, welcome to From the Pink Seats. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are y'all? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just glad to see that camp's about to start. Uh, did Clemson start their camp today? They, I think I saw, saw They start Friday. That. Friday of they this start week. Friday. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Louisville starts their camp. We are recording on Wednesday, August 4th. Louisville starts theirs on the 8th or 9th. I know it's a Sunday, but it's, an, it's a Sunday. It's early in the morning. It's, it's kind of weird having it be 930 in the morning on a Sunday. But hey, I like early stuff. You get it done and you get it going. So, but anyways, before we kind of get to talking to the 2021 season, I want to get into a little bit about the previous season. I know for Clemson, it kind of ended in unceremonious fashion against Ohio State in the college football playoff semi. But overall, how would you grade their 2020 campaign? I mean, I think, first of all, I think the fact that we got a 2020 season off in and of itself is like a huge win. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, um, I think you look at this Clemson team and you're not surprised they made it back to the playoff, right? We, we knew Trevor Lawrence right. was going to be right back in this situation. I think there's some disappointment lingering in the facility about how now this is the second year in a row that they've gotten kind of blown out to be blunt in the playoff. And so yeah. um, that's something they haven't forgotten. And so I think that that's the biggest thing that you look at from last year to this year is, all right, we know Clemson has been there. They can do it. They won the whole thing. Like, how do they get kind of back on track after two double-digit losses in the playoff? Yeah, because watching Clemson football over the last five, six years under Swinney, we're kind of used to seeing results in the opposite direction. I know Louisville's had a few games against Clemson where they've gotten their the doors blown off them. I think there's only been two games where they're even remotely close, especially that 2016 game in at Clemson, that was a fantastic game, one that I thought Louisville was going to pull through, but kudos to Clemson for finishing that one off. So I know I already know what the answer is going to be this, to this upcoming question, so I'm going to edit it out just a little bit outside of the overall changing of the guard at quarterback. 
which we'll get into this here in a second. What has been the biggest offseason storyline for Clemson? I think the biggest one has been the status of Justin Ross. Um, Clemson's obviously a completely different offense with Justin Ross. And so coaches have been very optimistic about his return in 2021. Obviously, he had the congenital fusion in his spine in 2020. He didn't play at all. Um, he had never known that he had it. He's had it his entire life. Um, so I think that that's been the big thing. Coaches have spoken like it's there. It's the process is kind of in the final stages and at the recording of this podcast, it's not, he's not been officially cleared. Um, but Dabo said last week that they are kind of in the final stages. So I think that's the big thing we're all monitoring because you get him back and, and DJ Uyunglele, I think has a completely different offense and wide receiver core to work with about Ross that's actually one of my upcoming questions so I'll just go ahead and build on that you you sound like someone who's had to research the term congenital spine fusion quite a few times so for the the less informed what what exactly is this injury because I just whenever I hear about Justin Ross I just spine injury spine injury spine injury and, and for a lot of people that doesn't exactly sound like he's ready to play football again yeah, so Justin was born with this fusion in his spine. He would have had it his entire life. Clemson discovered it um, in the in the spring of 2020 when he was just running a regular route. He, he got hit. They thought it was a stinger. They looked into the x-rays. They, they see this. The big part about Justin's situation is that, and, and I'm not like a medical expert, but this is how I've, um, this is what medical experts have told me and kind of how I've comprehended it, is that just because you have a congenital fusion in your spine doesn't always mean that you have a bulging disc. And Justin mm. could have developed his bulging disc differently, but a lot of times the fusion in your spine do cause bulging discs. So not always causation, but, but correlation type thing. Justin had surgery on the, on the bulging disc in June of 2020. So that would be what, what would make him safe to play football again if doctors say he can do this. He will still always have the fusion. And I think a lot of people think that just because he had surgery, the fusion went away, like it, it, because it's congenital, he will have the fusion for the rest of his life. But doctors took care of the bulging disc. So would it have anything to do with two vertebrae kind of fusing together? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what okay. happened. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I even got that right. Admittedly, I'm no medical expert. That's so my I'm... understanding. I'm also not an expert. So if we're like libeling the medical experts on this podcast, yeah. then this uh, isn't the, the medical expert <laughs> sports podcast. But anyway, so what's his timeline like? I know you said he hasn't been cleared to practice yet, but does the coaching staff seem optimistic that they might be able to get him back in uh, contact drills soon? Because is the last I checked, he's in non-contact drills, right? Am I, is it, am I correct on that? You are. Yes. He's been okay. in non-contact. So he kind of worked his way back into practice at the end, towards the end of last season, towards November ish. And, um, he was lifting weights. He was running, you know, he had all these benchmarks that he cleared this spring. He was non-contact, but he's been doing everything except for, except for contact. So he's been doing rounds versus air and he's lifting and, and all of those things, um, he, he's been doing. So Clemson's plan all along has been, if doctors give him the go-ahead, they will make him a contact participant in preseason camp, a lot like they did with Mike Williams a few years ago. Gotcha. So go ahead and get those first hits out of the way in camp. And then, of, co of course, you know, he'll take his first hit in the game, which I think we'll all probably hold our breath a little bit about. Mm -hmm. But um, that's something that they've talked to him about, too, is, okay, if you go out there and you play fearfully or scared, you're, you, you might get hurt. And so um, I think once once they, they get the full clear – and they seem to think that they're going to get it. They're speaking in that way. They're they're going to cut him loose, is my understanding. Yeah, based on what you're telling me, it seems that the million-dollar question is how he's going to be able to take those first live reps, maybe not even in practice, but 
getting back to the game because he's he didn't play all of 2020 because of this. So I'm sure he's probably got a little bit of rust. So I'm sure if he takes that first live rep, well, I'm I'm sure he's going to get back to normal. At least is that what the vibe you're getting from him? I think so. Yeah. I mean, they said that his mentality has been great. He's been excited and, and eager to do this. And, you know, this is a guy that he came back for his, for his senior season, or I guess it's, in this case, it's his redshirt junior season. I think he wants to prove to NFL scouts that he's durable. I, w- I think he wants to, to show that, that he can do this and he's next in the pipeline of Clemson wide receivers to, you know, go make a whole bunch of money in the league. So I think right. he's, he, he's in a good spot mentally based on what, what coaches have said. And, and in terms of, getting back out there well that's good to hear at least we wish nothing but the best for him but hopefully when he plays Louisville that uh maybe not does that great but I digress now anyways let's talk about the million dollar question obviously we all know Trevor Lawrence taking number one overall by the Jags he's heading to the NFL after an illustrious college career and now in steps DJ pardon me if I get this wrong ukulele Okay, so so I only know this because Davo gave us a phonetic lesson, and I it has helped me so much. So it's oo e anga la le ooyangalale ooyangalale. Yes, there you go. Ooyangalale. I probably am going to forget that because I I look at the spelling and I know it sounds awful, but I, I see it and I accidentally say ukulele, and I know that's not wrong. A lot of people do. Yep. A lot of people say, um, ooyangale, they say ooyangalele, but it's lele. I said lele when, at first until Dabo gave us the lesson, but it's lele. So DJ ooyangalele. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so he's taking over at QB1. We saw him a little bit uh, last season during Lawrence's COVID absence. He got the start against Boston College and Notre Dame, and he for all intents and purposes, he looked pretty damn good. Completed 59 of 85 passes, 781 yards, four touchdowns, no picks during just those two games. But for those who are relatively unfamiliar with him and his game and what he brings, what exactly is Clemson getting out of DJ? Well, first and foremost, they're getting their next, quote, generational quarterback, which is kind of the joke at Clemson now, is that every two years they're signing a, a generational guy. But he is their next five-star the next face of the program. Um, but I think you look at DJ, the first thing you, you, first of all, he's six, five, uh, six, five, two fifty. I mean, he's, he's a big dude. Um, yeah. he's a lot, he's a lot bigger than he looks on TV. Um, but I think you have to start with his arm. He just had Brandon Streeter, the quarterback's coach, um, told, told us a couple weeks ago that DJ has the biggest arm of anyone he's ever coached. And this is the guy that just sent Trevor Lawrence to the NFL draft right. number <laughs> overall. So, um, I think that that is something that, Clemson is also kind of working with like, okay, we know you want to sling it every, every time downfield, but let's stay within the system. Um, But that's where it starts with is his arm. He loves to, he loves the deep ball. I think that he is a physical runner. He's not, uh, he, he, Clemson says that he runs a little bit more like Taj Boyd and a little bit less Mm -hmm. like like Trevor and, and Deshaun and Kelly Bryant, the way they use them. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, his style is going to be different. He's going to look different than Trevor, but I think he is just as equipped to, to take this Clemson team to where it wants to go. Yeah. I was just about to ask like stylistically how different he is, but I guess another way to ask it, like how, how much of a talent drop-off is there from Trevor to DJ? Obviously when you have someone that goes one, one, there's a massive drop-off, but it seems like Clemson is pretty optimistic moving forward with, you know, the next, like you said, the next generational guy. So what, what would you compare his style to? Oh gosh. I don't know what I would compare. I mean, he's just so. Cause it seems just purely from looking at numbers and looking at the brief film, he, he's someone who 
I hate to label it as like the t- pro style QB who likes to try and just sit in the pocket pocket and not run when necessary. Cause I think he rushed for, oh, I've got the stats right in front of me. Yeah. But, he can scoot when you need him to for sure. Yeah. He, he only rushed for six yards, but he did it on 28 attempts. So it, he, he can maneuver when he can, but it seems like he's someone who likes to just sit in the pocket and just deliver strikes when he can. I think if DJ had his way, he would throw bombs all day to Justin Ross cornering the end zone, uh, Joseph Ngata, other corner of the end zone. I think if it was up to him, he would just sling it every single time. I mean, what QB doesn't want to just throw bombs? Right, right. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's kind of a slight difference from the modern renaissance of quarterbacks where they want to be the true dual threat, like run it and throw it. But it seems like he's kind of the... I hate to say old school, but it seems like he's someone who just likes to just sit back and be kind of like a statue, maybe not full on Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, but has mobility and uses it when he can. But moving on to the other offensive skill position guys, uh, not only is Clemson losing Trevor Lawrence, they're also losing their three best off- offensive skill guys from 2020. Running back Travis Etienne, arguably probably the best running back in Clemson history. In my, I'd, I would say it's pretty accurate. And then you lost two guys that went to the league in Amari Rogers and Cornell Power to up to their one and two wide receivers. So what is the state of the running back and wide receiver rooms for Clemson? And, and I'll have a follow-up for you, but I want to hear this answer first. Sure. Um, all right. Starting with running back, Clemson does not currently have an established pecking order. I, I, I thought that it would go – I thought Lynn J. Dixon, the, the senior who's been Travis's backup for several years now, I thought he would emerge from spring practice as the, the number one. Um, but this competition's pretty open, and he's going to be battling with sophomore Kobe Pace. I think one of the two of them will, will get the start. But I think Clemson's really going to use the running backs by committee. I mean, they've got Will Shipley coming in. He's a five-star so guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will Shipley's a five-star guy who can catch the ball in the backfield. You've got Bill Maffa. You have Michael Duke, Darian Rencher. I mean, they just have a whole room of people that they can just rotate in and out. But I think your main three are going to be Dixon, Pace, and I think Shipley. I don't know how soon Shipley comes on, but. Yeah, because he's going to be a true freshman, isn't he? He is, yes. And the, and the coaching staff is that high on him that he could get some meaningful game action in his first season? I think it's possible. I mean, I'll say this, and I know preseason depth charts are not the end-all, be-all by any stretch of the imagination. Breaking but, news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I did think it was significant that when Clemson put theirs out, they put three running backs on there, and it was Dixon or Pace as the starter and then Shipley. And, and Shipley's hmm. got guys in front of him that are older than him and more experienced than him, and their names are not on there. So – Take it for what you will, but I thought that was—I I thought that was not on accident. Yeah, it, it, that does kind of surprise me a little bit because it seems like I've heard the name Lynn J. Dixon for a while. It's mm-hmm. because it seems like with ETN out of the picture, it's surprising everyone and coming back for his final year. I would have thought that this is probably Dixon's year to kind of seize the starting reps. But I guess when you have, you know, a guy like Will Shipley, who what, who was he the number one running back in the twenty one class? Or mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I hate to be Lynn Jay and look, look at this guy like he's just he's just getting here. And why, why is he getting some some reps? But that's that's how football works. But uh, what about that wide receiver room and how does that change with the status of Justin Ross kind of I don't want to say in the air, but, you know, something similar to that. Sure. Um, you made me laugh about your list. I do think for the record though, really fast, the Lin J thing, I think he will start again in week one against Georgia. I think Dabo, Dabo goes with the older guys and I think he'll get the start. So, and I think he'll get his carries. And if he proves that he can run away with it, then I think he'll have that chance. 
Um, okay, wide receivers though. Um, so if Justin Ross is cleared, Clemson's plan is to actually play him in the slot hmm. and put um, Joseph Ngata and Frank Gladson Jr. or some combination of Ngata, Frank Gladson Jr. and EJ Williams on the outside. That's how that's going to go. Um, I, I think they'll move them around a lot. I don't think that we'll see Justin Ross just only in the slot for the entire year. If Justin is not able to go, I think that they will leave Ngata and Ladson on the outside and bring EJ Williams into the slot. And then they, I mean, they just, they have a lot of depth in that wide receiver room. Obviously it's a lot different with, with Justin than it is without, but there are a lot of bodies. They've got a six foot five true freshman, Dakari Collins, who Dabo's super high on. Bo Collins, no relation. <laughs> they, uh, they both were early enrollees. They've got a true freshman in the slot that they're pretty high on, Troy Stilato. They, they have a Joe, a Joe is, is, is coming on and, and kind of learning American football and, and getting adjusted to the pace of play here. Um, so that's, yeah, that's not a name I'm familiar with. Where's he from? A Joe, a Joe is from Canada. And then he played his final year of high school football at uh, Clearwater International Academy in okay. down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so, but like Dabo jokes, like they had to teach him how to, you know, get in a stance because in Canadian football, he just, that was something he didn't <laughs> do. Um, but he was a developmental guy, but they're really high on him. And he, he led all receivers in the spring game. He had a great spring game. Hmm. So obviously Clemson's got a boatload of talent all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've got DJ five-star guy, Lynn Jay, who's been there forever. He got a five-star talent coming in who's been there, but given the overall I guess the sense of newness of everything with a whole bunch of guys, either being true freshmen or redshirt freshmen or guys who have been there a while who are going to be kind of thrust into a situation where they're getting a lot more reps than they ever have. How, how do you think that's going to fare for Clemson's office? Are you expecting, I don't want to say a hiccup per se, but are you expecting maybe a little bit of a drop in production? I don't think I am. And I think it's because I have more faith in the offensive line this year than I did last year. That's and true. I, um, just, and Dabo Sweeney will be the first one to tell you, he said many times like Clemson could play. They were comfortable with like six guys last year on the offensive line. I mean, they just didn't have the depth that they needed at all and, and missing summer training and the virus shutting everything down just really hammered Clemson's offensive line really hard in terms of development. So that's why, I mean, and I think DJ's, I think DJ's up for the task. I mean, we forget he spent an entire year just studying from Trevor. That's true. Um, I think the running, I mean, the running backs, we're going to want to see kind of what they look like. Is someone going to establish themselves? Are they just going to go by committee? But I think that that DJ is poised enough and, and talented enough just from a pure talent standpoint and has a good enough offensive line to where they should be fine. And normally when you get with QB transitions, there's maybe a little bit of like a, a learning period, but given everything that DJ has gone through over the last couple of years, learning the system and actually getting a couple starts last year, it, it, it seems like it's going to be a relatively seamless transition to being the full-time starter, at least based on what you're telling me. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Dabo tells the story about when Trevor tested positive for COVID-19 and they had to go find DJ and tell him, Hey, you're starting against Boston college. And at that point, the game plan was set and it was for Trevor um, Dabo went to go find him and DJ was alone in the film room. And so I think that um, Clemson has a lot of faith in just his preparation and his consistency, his command of the offense. And I think now it's just tinkering and fine tuning and figuring out, all right, what works, what works for you and how do we cater this plan to you? 
Well, yeah, and plus when you have all that talent, especially with someone like DJ, I think they'll be good. But anyways, mm-hmm. en- enough about offense. Let's talk defense. Obviously, Clemson, like on the offensive side, has a bunch of returning talent on defense. I think when the preseason ACC team was released last week, last month, whatever it was, they had, was it six defenders that were named to that list? Guys like uh, Brian Breesey, James Skowski, uh, Balen Spectre, Nolan Turner. There's a lot of dudes. But the defense last, last season, it, it was still one of the best in the ACC. But it, it wasn't without some hiccups. Like you said, there's, there were a couple of instances where Clemson was just simply blown out. And plus, they, they fell behind early versus Boston College. They gave up 45 to Notre Dame and Ohio State. Granted, that Notre Dame game, uh, Lawrence wasn't, wasn't starting. To, that's an offensive deal. That wasn't a defensive thing. So what sort of a, a, the defensive adjustments has Clemson and specifically uh, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, what kind of twink, uh, tinkers has he made in this offseason to try and maybe fix the course of the defense, so to speak? I think the biggest thing that is probably going to be the biggest difference between 21 and 20 is that Brent and Dabo both will be very honest about the fact that they had to get really creative in manufacturing pressure last year. And, you know, their, their defensive line after the 2018 season, it hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it hasn't been that 2018, 2014 level that we've seen before when the power Rangers were rolling through and just dominating people. And I think that, that this year we're going to see that this 2020 power Rangers. Yeah. Like Christian, Wilkins, like, Christian Wilkins loves the power Rangers and called them the power. Oh yeah. They all dressed up as power Rangers for Halloween and, <laughs> Oh, yes. I did not know this. Anyways, they go rang, ahead. <laughs> they rang Davo's doorbell on Halloween and like said trick or treat, which was amazing. Um, yeah, that's this funny. was several years ago. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I, you just look at this defensive line this year and on this preseason depth chart, again, take it for what you will, but they didn't even bother listing backups at defensive end. They have, they have like five to six people that they know could start immediately. Hmm. Well, that's kind of interesting. Now, like you said, depth charts aren't, aren't the end all be all, but it sounds like they've got a plan there. Especially, I, I was actually kind of surprised to see Brian Breesey kind of perform as well as he did being a true freshman. What's, what is the staff's uh, opinion on his potential? Because it seems like he's got an extremely high ceiling. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. He has a super high ceiling. I mean, they knew that he was going to be pretty dominant when he came in as the number one recruit in the nation, but just talking to high school coaches that had to play against him, like one of them called him a werewolf. One of them called him a wrecking ball. I mean, he's just, he's huge. He's fast this off season. They want him to refine his pass rush and, and improve in that way. But for him to perform the way he did as a, as a true freshman and knowing that they got two more years of this dude, like Clemson is, is thrilled about what they're getting out of Brian Brzee. Yeah, he looks big on TV, so I can't even imagine what it must be like to stand right next to the guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So moving on from the D-lines, I want to know a little bit more about their linebacking core. Obviously, you've got some guys like Specter and Skowski, but it, it, it seems like now, I, I only watched a handful of Clemson games last year, but it seems like the linebacker depth might not have been there like it has been in the past. I think something that really came out to me was during the Sugar Bowl where uh, Ohio State had a guy wide open across the middle, and there was kind of like a mismatch in the linebacking core. So am I crazy to think that maybe Clemson's, like, linebacker room maybe not be as deep as it has been in years past? I think that especially when you compare it to their defensive line, which is going to be loaded, it's, like, it's pretty easy to be, like, 
okay, what's kind of the deal here? Their first team of linebackers are super solid. Skalski's back for year six. Um, he's been in this, he's been in this system so long that they didn't even bother having him go through live reps in spring practice. He basically was a player coach um, in spring practice. Um, so they go. get him back. Same with Spectre. I don't think Spectre did live either. He's back for his fifth year. Um, but I think that uh, Trenton Simpson is is going to be really, really good in 2021. He, he was kind of on his way towards earning that starting job in 2020. And Mike Jones Jr. is now transferred to LSU. But I think Trenton at that Sam Nickel kind of hybrid role in, in Venables' defense is going to be really good. But yeah, I do have a little, I do have some questions immediately behind them. Like behind Skalski, you've got Jake Venables, who's pretty solid and is right. a registered junior and, you know, um, Kane Patterson has played well, Levanta Bentley has played well, but there are some, it's, I, it's just not a ton of, not a ton of snaps on a gazillion years of experience like Skalski and, and his bud Nolan Turner in the secondary have. So I think they have bodies, but I'm interested to see how Venables rotates them. And then I think I'm super interested to see this true freshman, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. They, t- they, they talk very highly of him. So now, and what going on with uh, other position groups in the, on the defense, what, what about the secondary? Cause I know when I look just purely at the numbers, the passing defense, I mean, it's still decent, but comparatively speaking to Clemson teams in the past and, and the rest of the, the uh, nation and the ACC, it was kind of okay. They held teams to 214 yards a game, which I mean, in a vacuum is not bad, but that's still 41st in the nation. When you, when you think of, Clemson or any like potential national championship caliber team that's typically not where you expect the passing defense to be especially in an age of football where it's pass 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 sometimes run then pass more so (laughs) so what how can the secondary or that just some of the starters kind of fix some of that or like and actually let me backtrack what was some of the reasoning for not really a lack of execution per se, but, but for the, some of the, the dip in the dip in production there. Yeah. We've seen Clemson these past two years struggle with big armed quarterbacks. I don't think that that's a secret. I think we're going to learn a lot about this secondary this year. Now knowing that Clemson has a defensive line that it does, they're going to do their part in getting pressure on these guys. And so that's been my biggest question is, okay, how much of this has been the secondary is struggling or maybe they need some more speed on the back end and how much of it is Clemson didn't really get a lot of pressure on these people in the way that they usually do. And I, I just, I think we're going to learn a lot about them. They have a lot of bodies. And I think that again, they return a lot of experience, but Clemson also needs this year, especially a lockdown corner. Um, Darian right. Kendrick is not on Clemson's team anymore and no one currently vying for these two starting roles has been that guy for Clemson yet. So I think Andrew Booth Jr. can be that guy, but we haven't, we haven't seen it. And I think that Clemson really needs, needs one of those. But it seems like they're still going to be relatively solid on the back end, especially when Nolan Turner decided to come back for his extra year. For sure. Nolan's back. Strong safety. Landon Xanders is back. Booth, I'm sure is basically like a human highlight reel at this point. I'm sure you've seen the interceptions he's come down with. They are ridiculous. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they have they they're they're deep. It just it's just uh, I'm curious a about the D line and how much of a difference that makes, and then b who who steps up. So, granted, everything that everything that we've bared out to this point, offense, defense, strengths. What do you think is Clemson's single biggest 
weakness, whether that be on the field, in the coaching staff, any, anything? What do you think is the one thing that could hold the Clemson back the most? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I have more faith in the offensive line, but I think we need to see it. And that was a huge area of frustration for Clemson fans last year. I mean, you have a guy like Travis Etienne and yardage wise, it was a drop off for him, his senior year compared to his sophomore and junior year. And he goes from winning the ACC player of the year award twice to just, you know, he didn't really have a lot to work with last year. And people were really frustrated by that because this guy does not need a lot to work with. Now you have a new running back who is, who's going to need some help. And so um, I think that's my biggest question. They return everyone except for Jackson Carmen, the left tackle. So they have that experience now. Oh, excuse me. And the center, they have a new center. Um, but can, can they do it? Uh, I think that Dabo thinks that they can and they're deeper and they've got more bodies, but what does that look like in terms of executing this with so many new faces on offense? So if the offensive line does take the step like you anticipate on them doing, what do you, uh, what do you think the, the balance of the offense is? Do you think it's going to be 50% run, 50% pass, lean more pass, lean more run? Where do you think they're sitting with now, especially with like the wide receiver and running backs room in flux and a brand new starting quarterback? I don't know exactly what the breakdown is, but Clemson's always been very balanced. Um, that's something right. like you look at Travis and he only averaged for his career. He averaged, I think 14 carries a game. Like he has a ton of tread on the tires going into the NFL. And so they don't, they don't really have like a, a workhorse back. Like you see, like we saw with Jonathan Taylor, you know, some of these running backs they're they're super balanced. And so I think that, that I don't think that they'll stray from that. Tony Elliott is back. He's their primary play caller and has been since the 2014 bowl game. Their tight ends, I think, are going to be the best of Dabo's career. And so I think they are they can play more 12 personnel if they want to force the issue with the run. They want to send these guys out running routes, go for it. One of them is 6'6". So I think they'll stay balanced. It's just a matter of who's, whose name are we going to see in the statue, who's going to be making these plays. So I want to I want to kind of ask a question that doesn't have anything to do with Clemson versus Louisville specifically, but it kind of leads into my next question. Obviously, Clemson leads off the season with probably one of the bigger games of this, not even just week one, but of the season playing Georgia in Charlotte, North Carolina. What is the buzz heading into a game of that magnitude? And how do you how do you feel about Clemson's chances coming out with a victory? Yeah, I mean, I think that these are two teams that are probably going to be in the top five by the time this matchup rolls around. And obviously, it's the biggest game on Clemson's schedule. There's really no close second. But I think that they're I'm still high on Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm in, I didn't see Florida State last year. We didn't see Clemson, Florida State. So I'm interested. To see I'm not high play. on Florida State. Yeah, just, I'm not. I'm not. People even who high. listen to this podcast know that I, I'm not high on Florida State. And it's one of those things where it's how I was with Miami before they actually got to the level they are. So, I've got yeah. to see it. Sure. Before I believe it, because I know Florida State's one of those teams where they'll just continuously get hype, 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 and mm-hmm. even if it's non-deserved or not, that's kind of how I felt with Miami, especially during the the Al Golden years. But anyways, I got off on a little bit of a tangent. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, speaking of Al Golden, it was the Clemson game that ended things for him, right? When Clemson like blew them out. It was. I mean, Clemson. Clemson ended Bobby Petrino's tenure in Louisville, so. Congrats. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but how does how does Clemson feel about their chances of coming out with a win against Georgia and getting the season started on the high note? Yeah, I think they feel good about it. They feel great about DJ. DJ's got, I mean, when when 
when DJ went to Notre Dame, obviously Clemson lost, but he set a record for yards by an opposing quarterback against Notre Dame ever. He threw for 439 yards. Um, Notre Dame's seen some pretty big, some pretty big quarterbacks in their day. Yeah. So um, I think they feel good about their experience. And I think too, we, and of course we do this all the time, playoff, playoff, playoff. What does it mean? Playoff, playoff. There's a path for both teams. You know, you, you win out and you're in. So um I think that, of course, it's the biggest game of the year, but it's not, oh, my gosh, if Clemson doesn't win or if Georgia doesn't win, they're done. Right. So, obviously, after that game, there's going to be a lot of football to be played. Louisville and Clemson are facing off in week 10. So, what do you think is going to be one of the bigger storylines during that time period building up to that game? I mean, I think at that point, usually around week 10 is where Clemson is basically ready to secure the division. Um, I don't know if that, I think Wake Forest is their final division game. Yeah, it's, Wake Forest is the final one. The okay. last four games are Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. South Carolina, okay. Yeah, so, okay. So, um, it's not their final one, but they'll be building at that point. Presumably, I think that Clemson's going to scoot through the ACC like like usual. But yeah, I mean, I think Louisville is going to get Clemson in an interesting time. Just that that's kind of what they call they're getting into what Dabo calls their championship phase, which they always hope is an ACC championship followed by contending for a college football playoff. So um, I think that Louisville probably unfortunately is going to be getting a really good version of Clemson's team by then the kinks are going to be I mean there's a bad version of Clemson based on what Louisville has seen in the past (laughs) right right if we've seen the bad version of Clemson I I don't want to think about what the quote-unquote good version of what the good one is I've seen some pretty lopsided blowouts before (laughs) yeah were you there in uh what year was it what year was the 70 um didn't what, am, I, am I making this up? Didn't Clemson hang 70 on Louisville? So they hung 70 on Louisville. It was the game that got Petrino fired. Literally there the, was, next, yeah. the, the next day he was canned. Um, 77 to 16 in 2018. Yeah. Was, was that at Louisville or was it at Clemson? I can't remember. Um, that one was. That was at Clemson. No, that was I remember. At Clemson. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I actually have not made it down to Death Valley yet. I want to really badly. I actually was going to try and plan on doing it last year but then right COVID happened and forced a reschedule and that was the one game that got nixed from the schedule but considering how turnover happy Louisville was it was probably for the better but, but uh anyways looking at the the rest of Clemson's schedule are there any I hate to use a really old sports cliche but do you see any quote-unquote trap games perhaps um I think Clemson is going to be highly favored in basically all of these. I I'm, I know Clemson fans probably saw that they're playing at Syracuse on a Friday night and probably did their weird voodoo things. Things don't typically tend to hey, go the, well. The Carrier Dome has some weird voodoo juju magic up there. Because there have been a couple games where Louisville has been favored by a lot and just everything falls apart. I don't know what it, yeah. and it, it's especially accentuated when it's not on a Saturday (laughs) yeah the Friday night games and usually it's right and this year it is too it's usually Mm -hmm. always right around Friday the 13th this year it's Friday the 15th but weird (laughs) weird things have happened in the past with Clemson Syracuse I have full confidence Clemson will do what it needs to do but I know Clemson fans are still a little leery of the carrier dome on Friday night yeah I think if it was any other team in the ACC but Syracuse Mm-hmm. I because Syracuse, I think they what were voted to finish last in the ACC. I know they voted finished last in the Atlantic, but both them and Duke, they're not going to be good. And yeah. I, I it, it sucks because I was high on Dino Babers once upon a time, but that team's trending downward 
fast. Yeah, I mean, they were, what year was it, 18 when they finished top, yeah. top yeah, 18? They had, yeah, double-digit wins, mm-hmm. 18. And, yeah. and now they're... Oh, that's they're, what it was, double-digit wins, yep. Yeah, and, and now they're, what they go? They have, did they go winless in league play last year? Oh, I don't know. I think I, I think they might have beat Pitt or were close to beating Pitt, but I'm pretty sure they were close to winless or one win. But but anyways, that's that's another podcast episode for another subject. But anyways, I asked those last couple of questions to kind of build up to ask who do you think needs this game more, Clemson or Louisville? Um, I would say in turn, I, I it depends on. If you're Scott Satterfield and you're trying to build a program, you're trying to get your fan base excited, Louisville. But if you're Clemson and you're competing, you're trying to compete for a national championship, you can't have that type of blemish on your resume and feel good about it. I mean, if it's a if it's a fluke loss for Clemson and they beat Georgia and they win out otherwise, I think they'll be fine. But I would say you get these two teams as late in the season as they are. And I for for big picture purposes, I think Clemson needs that win. To keep, yeah, I think Clemson too. Because I mean there, there are a, there's a bunch of swing games on Louisville's schedule, like where mm-hmm. like one possession games. It could decide it's it'll it could be the difference between eight and five and four and seven. We right. saw it in the last couple seasons, but when I was going through my way too early season prediction preview, I was going through each opponent, giving you know relatively detailed breakdowns for how each one can go. I got to Clemson, and I was like, it's Clemson. They're zero and six. This this not a win, and moved yeah. on. I yeah. I said it. Not quite as succinct, but I was pretty damn close. Because yeah. I, I just absolutely do not see at least this version of Louisville. Now, I say this, and Louisville could absolutely prove me wrong and have all of their issues tucked away and solve things and win out until they get to the Clemson game. And I could be like, I could be a fool for thinking that they're not going to get to that point. But anyways, I, I think that Clemson, like I'm going to agree and say Clemson probably needs this more because it's getting to the point in the season where it's kind of late and you're hoping to just like take care of business, put away yep. the ACC, the Atlantic division, secure your birth in Charlotte and kind yep. of get your mind right on the bigger picture. Now, of course, use the old coaching cliche. We're taking it one game at a time. I mean, you want to clinch the ACC, the Atlantic. To, to, that's the first step in getting to the cultural playoff and getting to the national title. Yeah. So I, I, I think Clemson needs, needs it more. Now that, that's, not to say that it's going to be a struggle for Clemson because I obviously think Clemson's going is heavily favored in this in this game. Sure, sure. But it, but like I said, there's a lot of football to be played. Louisville could be a lot better. Clemson could have some issues. I'm not going to say Clemson could be markedly worse because I don't see a, Clem, a team of this talent and stature being any less than one or two losses heading into mm-hmm. that game. But so I, I'm going to go with with Clemson. But uh, anyways, this has been another great this, – this is a really in-depth – because I admittedly don't watch a lot of Clemson football. I think a lot of fans out there kind of hate watch Clemson at this point in hopes of seeing the complete – like a complete breakdown or a loss because I think a lot of people are starting to get to the, the point where they view Clemson in the same manner as Nick Saban where they're just tired of them winning all the time. But it's, it, it's, it's good to get a little more background information about Clemson and how they operate and what they do and how they do and – I'm, I'm excited to see how it pans out. I know, I, I think, obviously, Clemson's going to win the ACC. I, at least I think. I, mm-hmm. if, if anyone's going to challenge them, maybe North Carolina, because they've, they've really had things going in the last couple of years. Mac, Mac Brown, I, when he was first hired, I, was, I had my doubts. I thought he's gotten a little bit too old. I didn't know how he was going to fare on the recruiting trail. I didn't know how that was going to translate going back to UNC. And then look where they're at now. They're probably a – consensus top 
10, 15 team. They've got the preseason ACC uh, player of the year. And it seems like we're going to get a really good Clemson versus UNC uh, title game in Charlotte. But anyways, this has been from the pink seats, another great season preview series where we take a look at the, t- the top six opponents for the 2021 schedule. Grace, thank you for joining us. Go ahead and plug all of your stuff. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am on Twitter at GM Rayner, R-A-Y-N-O-R. And all of my stories are on the Athletics Clemson page, just theathletic.com and go to the college football tab and hit Clemson and you'll see everything you need to know about, about Dabo Sweeney and his Tigers. And I, and I will vouch for The Athletic. I know a lot of people like to crap on paid subscription services, but I, I've got one to The Athletic. I love it. They've always got Thank a you. lot of great content. I know I've read a couple of your stories uh, through our, our mutual friend, Tori McElhaney. Probably the another, best. And probably love another it. name I just butchered. No, you got it. That's it, McElhaney. Sweet. Okay. I'm, 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 two, for, I'm two for two on names tonight. I, I can go it. to bed happy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Grace, thanks for joining us. Are you going to make the trip to Louisville? I am. Yes. Um, actually, one of my favorite trips uh, on really? schedule. I love going to Louisville. Yeah. Um, I did the bourbon tour one time and thought it was great. And Smart. I just really, I just really enjoy going to Louisville every time. So yes, I will be there on, what is it? November 6th? Saturday, November 6th, time and TV, TBA, of course. But yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be a fun game. Maybe not for Louisville fans, but I'm sure for Clemson fans, it's going to be a fun game. But like I said, you never know. That's why they play the game. There Anyways, thanks Grace for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.